The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast dedicated to fashion, the art of living well or wellness, and all things beauty. I'm your host, Dr. Shirley Madair, the founder of the Holistic Plastic Surgery Philosophy and your purveyor of this definitive source of living a beautiful and fabulous life. In this podcast, I like to have intelligent and fun discussions around some of the things that I have enjoyed and some of the things that move me with joy, namely fashion, art, wellness, and the many faces of beauty. I engage in conversations that inspire, motivate, educate, empower, and hopefully to help make the world a more beautiful place. I keep it refreshing and real, educational and entertaining, scientific, and of course, fabulous. This week's episode is dedicated to bold confidence. The name of the episode is How to Change the World, One Million Girls at a Time. This is my interview with Hannah Natu or Hannah Tunis. Hannah Natu or Hannah Tunis is a tour de force. On her way to building an empire of service, the pageant queen turned entrepreneur and humanitarian has been a trailblazer in the pursuit of empowering girls and young women and helping them to live to their fullest potential. Hannah is a St. John's University alumnus with a bachelor's degree in public relations and a minor in rhetoric, heady stuff. She is also a United Nations Sustainable Development Goals advocate with a passion for youth development and global change. Having founded the One Millions Girl campaign in 2013 and the PADS, which stands for Prepared and Driven for Success Project, she has indeed accomplished global change for good. She joins me today via StreamYard to discuss beauty, confidence, and how to lift up the global community. Welcome, Hannah. Congratulations on all of your success, and thank you so much for becoming a beautiful member of the Forever Fab community. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Dr. Shirley. That was such an amazing intro. I'm like, wait, what? I did that? <laughs> it's all you. I didn't make any of it up. Clearly, clearly, you gave me all the material for that intro because when you hear it, it's just different. You know, it's You're different right? when you hear it. Yeah, but I'm I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, let, let's let's pause on that for a second. Take a moment and hear the words that I just repeated. You did all that. You are doing all of that. That's all you. So take a moment, bask in it. Woosah. Yeah. Just yes. <laughs> yes. Shall we get to the questions, lovely? We shall. And I love that you just did that oxen because I do it all the time. 
<laughs> oh, we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. Dip into it anytime you want. <laughs> so describe your journey, please. It has been an illustrious one so far. Where are you from and how did you arrive? Because you have arrived. <laughs> I don't know if I've arrived yet, but I'm definitely still on a journey. Um, you know, it's so hard to, that question is so heavy. Yes. It's so heavy, but I think my journey starts. Hmm. It's my, a full question. It's a full one. It's such a full question. And I think that I can take this question from different angles. Any way you like. My journey is when it comes to women empowerment and girl empowerment, I'll start there. So when I was in college uh, at St. John's University, I interned at many places. I mean, I knew I wanted to do public relations, but I interned at like for a fashion PR company, entertainment PR. Um, and then I, it just wasn't for me. Right. And I started even with the pageantry, even doing pageants, I think that had to, a lot to do with where I am now, because when you're doing a pageant, um, you have to have a platform. And I know a lot of people, when they think of pageants, they think beauty. But at the time, I was really into scholarship pageants and, and using my voice in that way. And that was my outlet. Not so much into pageants now, but um, that was my platform and my outlet. So um, I met so many women, so many young women. I mean, from Miss Liberia, USA, from Miss International, I'm um, intercultural, Miss Africa, USA. Oh my gosh. Like wow. I met so many amazing women from different countries, different places, different backgrounds. And um, I think that also inspired me to be about women. Like I, mm -hmm. I was in middle school, elementary school. Um, it was all about, yes, youth, de youth development and cultural expression. But I think when I started to, you know, mature, it started to, just become a little bit more concrete and more focused on women and girls. And yes. so in 2012, I believe 2012, I was a, uh, I was, I started college all over again at St. John's University, um, doing public relations. And at the, around that time, I was like, okay, I don't want to do fashion PR. I don't want to do entertainment PR. I want to do something that has to do with UN work, the United Nations. I want to mm. do something that you know impacts the world. And I think it's hard to kind of pinpoint why, like why I wanted to do that. But I know that is my why. Yeah. But when it comes to your why, you know, I do believe that the Lord places things in your heart and in you and in your mind. Um, and he creates those desires in you for a reason. So whereas an artist loves art, right? Loves yes. the of art. That is their passion. And it's by no mistake that, that they love art. So for me, it really just started from there. Um, I was in my entrepreneurship class at St. John's University in 2012. Um, at the time, I found out that women and girls in West Africa were missing out on days of school. Well, girls in West Africa were missing out on days of school because they did not have something as simple as a pad, as a sanitary product. Wow. Today, 10 years later, that is called period poverty. At the time... Oh they didn't have a concept for it. It wasn't called anything. So right. I remember just getting all of my, my whole community, my family, my, um, the other students in the class, my college peers, my colleagues. And I was like, I'm going to Liberia. I'm, I'm going to Liberia for the first time. So Liberia is actually where my family is from. Okay. I'm so passionate about it, but I just remember telling everyone I'm going back to like, I'm going to Liberia, not back in. <laughs> going to Liberia and I'm going to go with a suitcase full of pads, just wow. girls, you know, and I was so young. This was 10 years ago. 
So yes. I, I was like 24, 23, 24. And I was like, I was ready, Dr. Shirley. I was so ready. And it, it didn't even matter how. I didn't have any money to go. <laughs> I was a college student. Um, and I just raised the money. Uh, so many people donated pads. We raised, I raised enough money to get a plane ticket, a round trip ticket. Amazing. Rovia. And that's where One Million Girls starts. That's where the journey starts. And since then, it has been a conf confirmation every year, a uh, divine confirmation that this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I want to end with this, though, with this question. You know, the pad, which is why I think I, I agree to do this show, yes. is about the pads, right? So the pads are a tangible way to communicate mm -hmm. to the girls that, you know, you are worth yes. more than what your society is telling you you are, right? Absolutely. Society is telling, like, you don't have enough to pay for pads, but it's not even just about the pads. It's about your value. It's about you getting an education. It's about your self-esteem. It's about your security. It's about your um, entrepreneurship. You know what I mean? So I think that's it, it became bigger than just the pads project. That is amazing. And that is just one aspect of your journey. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. There's so much more. Now, you are clearly divinely led, and I honor that. And yet I think there's there's even more to it. Um, it's, can you hone specifically on what or whom in your childhood influenced the choices that made you live the life you currently live? And you, you said that, you know, you're made a certain way. And yes, that's true. But was there something in your childhood or someone in your childhood who specifically taught you like, yeah, this is my path? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So I think with me growing up, I grew up um, as a Christian um, and I am Christian. But I think growing up, I, I grew up in a very charismatic. Christian. So my grandmother, um, she is a pastor. Ah, okay. Yeah, she's she's a uh, Reverend Goodridge. <laughs> she's a pastor, but she raised me for the majority of my childhood. She raised me. And I think when I think back at it, back to my childhood, there were a lot of things that a lot of ways she maybe worshiped or spoke or prayed that um I always I always hung on to, right? I it always it always resonated with me, but I didn't really understand as a child what was fully happening until I started to mature. And then I think um, her, her influence on me definitely kind of guided my way through life. But at some point you have to make your own decision, right? As yes. I matured, I moved away. Like I left Rhode Island, started living in New York, um, became an adult and I have to make, had to make my own choices. Yes. It's, it's amazing. You asked this question because yes, I was guided, um, by, by family values. And of course my family is a family of faith, but I think, for me, the reason why I'm still a woman of faith is because of what the Lord has done in my life, uh, because of my own testimony, if you will. So yes, my grandmother kind of, you know, fed the spoon and kind of guided me in my childhood. But now as a woman, I, I think I have a testimony of my own to stand yes. on and say, this is the reason why um, I believe what I believe and who I am, why I am who I am. Absolutely. That's such a beautiful response. And as I mentioned, you know, earlier, you definitely have arrived, but that you're not stopping here. You have you have places to go and you're going to keep going. So we look forward to your subsequent arrival time and time again. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
Now let's let's uh, shift a little bit. Um, what were the experiences in your early life that led you to the beauty pageant circuit? Because that is such a, a very interesting, intriguing, and, and somewhat unique. Even though everyone knows what a beauty pageant circuit is, but it's really unique to meet to meet someone who has gone through that. So, what led you to that? Yeah. So let me just premise by saying that I am five feet zero inches. I am short. <laughs> Young, <laughs> yes, petite. Um, so you know, I don't fit the the normal standards mm. of uh, a typical beauty pageant. Like I wouldn't be able to to walk in anyone's <laughs> beauty pageant. But I think the the pageants. I just want to put it out there that the pageants that I did participate in were more cultural and were breaking those cultural norms. So um, kudos to those pageants out there. Absolutely, but. Um, I think for me, thinking about my first pageant that I participated in Miss Liberia, New York, mm -hmm. in 2008, I think at the time, I, don't, I didn't feel like I had anything to prove, but I felt like there was something in me that I needed to say. So wow. I used the beauty pageants, as I mentioned before, as a platform, um, but as a platform to send a message as I'm, a, I'm very, I love performing. I love spoken word. Um, and I love showing confidence, but you know, in the seventh grade, I want to say in the seventh, eighth grade, I wasn't always like that. You know, yeah. I, I was bullied. I didn't think I was beautiful, wow. you know, very insecure. Um, and I tell this story to a lot of young women who I meet with all the time. You know, I was, it's, this is a journey. You being secure in who you are is a journey. And so I think that participating in the pageants gave me a space to be me, to speak. Um, you know, Strong, Black, and Beautiful was a poem I wrote in the seventh grade. And it, it kind of followed me throughout my pageant years. And that's basically what I did as my as my talent. I did spoken word. So for the for the just to answer your question, I participated in the pageants because I had something to say. Yeah. To use that platform to say it, regardless if I was five feet <laughs> or not. You are hear me today. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I am woman. I'm five feet and hear me roar. Yes, yes, yes. So so you use the cultural beauty pageants as a platform to say something. So you were in essence teaching people thing, young girls, women, etc. What would you say sort of on the flip side that you learned or were taught through your involvement with these pageants, with these cultural pageants? Yeah, I think on the flip side, one of the things I, I maybe I learned maybe by doing the pageants. So as as I mentioned before, I'm not really into pageants anymore. Yes. Um, but I do feel like, on the flip side, I think I learned relationship building. Mm. Yeah, relationship building. Um, because when you're, so I'm still friends with the same. The, so I was Miss Liberia, New York in 2008. Yes. And it was Miss Liberia, PA, Pennsylvania, Miss Liberia, California. You know, that's how we did it. Yes. So we had to share rooms with these, with each other, you know, as we did the the national pageant in Pennsylvania. And I roomed, I was a room, I was, I'm sorry, I'm like stumbling. But Not at all. <laughs> I, uh, that's because you're excited. <laughs> very excited. I want to get it out so bad. Uh, so they, had the shortest people, so they did it by height. <laughs> so Miss Liberia, Pennsylvania, who is one of my 
very, very, very good friends, Maima, we were placed in the same room. And to this very day, we're friends. Like that is Beautiful. like that is like my sister. So I think, you know, besides the the pageantry of it all, um, it's that relationship building. And yeah. also Miss Africa USA. So that's you just made me think of something. Miss Africa USA, I didn't win. That was the only pageant I did not win. I was first runner up. Wow. I remember not liking that feeling. Ah. Because I was always used winning. to winning. Yeah. And and Miss Africa USA, I think that so many family members came out, you know, so yeah. many they just were like, ah, oh, Hana has this Liberia for the win. And then, you know, when that didn't happen, I really didn't know how to handle that. Wow. And to be honest, I, I didn't I didn't know how to handle that. I I was just like, wow, like I really this is I just lost. And we put in so much work and time. Um, my mother was a pot pageant mom herself, so she was right there with me, making sure all the dresses were made, everything was done, and you know, to not take home the trophy that day, it, it was hard. So I think being in the pageants also helped me to not not be the winner, you know, yeah. being the second fiddle. That took me a while. It took me a while to to learn how to do that. Like it's not always about winning. It's not always about me. Sometimes it's about supporting someone else. So. When when that person does win, you know, support her, right. with her. You know, it's it's that was just a moment. It's not about you right now. <laughs> um, that is so valuable, absolutely valuable. So let's sort of wrap up that aspect of one of the things that you've done in your life. And let me ask a, a simple but also maybe loaded question: How do you define beauty? Hmm. I'm going to take a moment. Yes, please take a moment. <laughs> um, I think for me, actually, Jana and also Hannah, I'm going to turn my lights on because it's getting dark for me. So I'll be right back. Okay, uh, Jana, I'm, I think I'm going to do the same. Why well, am I? Is my lighting? Um, your lighting looks fine. It'll be light. It would look good. What happened, Jana? Oh, she just asked me about her lighting. I mean. Oh, yeah. You seem to be getting a little bit darker also, Hannah. Can you turn lights on or? Yep. I'm going to do that right now. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I was looking. I was like, why am I doing that? I realized I have the curtains open and it's getting dark. So <laughs> this helps a little bit. It won't last too long, but, you know, we probably will be wrapping up in like half an hour or so. So. I'll restart that question of how do you define beauty, okay? Jana? Sounds good to me. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yes, much better. Awesome, awesome. Much better. Okay, I will restart that question, Hannah, since I interrupted. Okay. So, Hannah, let's sort of um, wrap up that one aspect of your beautiful life so far. And let me ask you a simple but perhaps loaded question. How do you define beauty? That's another loaded question. <laughs> yes, that's a very loaded question. Um, so when it comes to beauty, I always, I don't think about, obviously a lot of people say this, like we don't think about the external. Beauty is not how you look, it's on the inside. We know all that. But as I mature, to me, it's deeper, mm. right? So um, I am a woman of vision. I'm a woman who 
I read the word. <laughs> I read the word of God. So please do allow me to share from that perspective because please. when I read this scripture, it kind of gave me insight into what a beautiful woman or a beautiful person would be. Um, and that's in Galatians chapter five, where we talk about the fruit of the spirit, right? So, um, and for those of you listening, um, you know, I'm just quoting scripture from the Bible here. The book of the Bible is called Galatians and it's in chapter five. I don't know the verses. So oh, I was going to ask you what verse. <laughs> I don't know the verses. But All good. We'll find it. I know it's the fruit of the spirit and it talks about um, gentleness, mm. kindness, patience, self-control. And so me, when I, when I engage with someone, um, I immediately think that they are beautiful or they, or they give a pleasing aroma by the way that they speak or the way that they listen or their nonverbals. Like I, I really take to people who show, who show me a lot of grace, mm. right? Especially like, say for example, I make a mistake or um, a hiccup or whatever the case may be, whether it's in my speech or my action, um, the way they respond to me, the grace that they show me. Um, sometimes it's boldness, right? It doesn't mean that you have to be this person who is just quiet, but I also think people who are bold, um, who are wise are and who are secure are beautiful. Yes. I have a friend, I, a friend comes to mind. She actually, the same friend I was telling you about Miss, Miss Liberia PA, um, over almost 20 years ago, you know, she's bold, but she's also wise mm -hmm. and she's a listener. And so to me, and she's beautiful on the outside, but to me, that is what make that, that makes her just so beautiful to me. And so I define beauty as one who encompasses the fruit of the spirit, which is kindness and patience, a uh, boldness. Boldness is not in the word, but I'm, I just want to add boldness there because sometimes we think that, oh, you have to be this quiet lady to be graceful. No, I know people who are graceful, who are bold in their speech, right? And to me, that's just so beautiful. Like when you came, like Dr. Shirley, looking at you right now, like you are physically beautiful. Oh, thank you. You welcomed me the way that you invited me into your personal space. That was beautiful to me. You know, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I also appreciate your definition of beauty because so I'm a plastic surgeon. I think I know beauty, right? But I only know it in certain aspects. And I have to commend you because of all the guests I have asked this question to, I believe this is the first time that this question has been answered with a verse, number one, and with not only purposefully and intentionally, but with a spirituality. So I thank you so much for expanding that definition and including words like grace and boldness and and. And, and that's beautiful. Thank Let's you. just put it that way. <laughs> Thank you. You mentioned something about um, standards, so to speak, right? How we are taught as little girls or raised to be, you know, quiet and meek and agreeable and acceptable and accommodating, <laughs> you know, <laughs> 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 right? So what about, yes, there are so many standards put upon young girls and young women and women in general. What about the standard of beauty? Do you think there is one? You having met so many different types of beautiful women who manifest beauty in different ways, do you still think there's a beauty standard, whether it's in the US or global? 
Now, when you say um, standard, like just beauty in general, not just in physical. But yeah, not just physical. Beauty in general, all alluding to, yes, physical. Oh, you know, you have to be this height or, you yeah. know, this weight on top of, and you have to be kind and meek and, you know, accommodating. And yeah. What's up with that? Yeah, no, I that's an easy answer for me. No, I, I don't think that there's one standard. I think that you know, we have come to a place. And when I say we, I think as a society, mm -hmm. um, we are living in a very digital age where, you know, we are doing a lot of comparing and measuring, you know what I mean? Whether it comes, whether it means comparing your age to someone or how far you are in life or your body, right? This is, this is, we are at an all time high of comparison. Yes. And, and therefore at an all time low. It, so exactly right so people are creating their own standards yeah. in their minds based on it could be based on experience it can be based on culture but i think for me there there isn't a standard um but i do i do think i don't have all of the answers but what comes to mind is rather than us thinking so much about the external i think that it would benefit us the most if we look at like the internal, because what what my friend's path is, the path of my friends or the path of a coworker or whatever the case may be, it doesn't mean that's my path, right? right. So there's different, There is. it can't be one standard, in my opinion, it has to be different, different standards or, you know, I hope I'm answering that question right, but yeah. I are. Like there's, there's no standard when it comes to that, but rather we should be um, introspective. Yeah. And there is, there is no right answer. There's no wrong answer. There's just you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You. Now you defined gracefully, graciously, and, and quite eloquently the definition of beauty from your perspective. I'm going to ask you now how you define confidence. Oh, um, I'm not going to lie. This is easy for me too. <laughs> a conversation. I, th I think last year, um, I'm in a faith community called Women of the Word, and we had this conversation about um, the lioness. Ooh. Um, actually, I have the book here. The, the book is called Lioness Ar Arising by Lisa Bavere. Um, and it's interesting because when I think of confidence, when yes. I think of confidence, the first thing that came to my mind was someone who um, was bold, right? Someone who was the first person to raise their hand in class or spoke very eloquently and loud. You know, that was my uh, idea of boldness. Someone who wouldn't take anything from anyone, you yeah, know? Take no S, take no sugar. <laughs> yeah, like, like that. But as I mature again and have different conversations with people and as I journey through life, I realized that being confident is also like being a lioness. Mm. You know, a lioness is, don't get me wrong, she is bold when she needs to be. She goes after what she needs to go after when the time is right for her to act. But she is also a woman. A, a, the lioness is, is grace, right? Oh, yeah. The lioness is, you know, sometimes silent. So yes, it's okay to be, to, to be loud. It's okay to be bold. It's okay to be expressive. But it's also okay for confidence to be quiet body posture mm. listening you know what i'm saying i know women who when they walk through the door they don't have to say anything really yes. you know it's yes. it's you showing up 
And yeah. so I think, yeah, I would define confidence as being a lioness. You you don't always have to speak, you know, quick to quick to speak. What is the what is the saying? Quick to listen, slow yeah. to speak. <laughs> yeah, yes. But when you speak, you speak with authority. Yes. And you speak with, you know, security. Security. Exactly. So, yeah. Another brilliant definition. Thank you so <laughs> much. I, I'm going to pick that book up. I am. Lioness Arising. So good. Yeah. By Lisa Bovere. Lisa Bovere. Thank you. Yeah. Now, in addition to some of the women with whom you practice your faith and your friends, who would you say inspires you? Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to give like the cliche answer. There's no cliche. It's only your truth. You know who inspires me? My mom. My mother inspires me. I'm going to tell you why she inspires me though. Because I feel like there are, again, there are different ways my mother inspires me. But one way I've been noticing as an adult. Yes. um, My mother is so good at forgiveness. And she's so good wow. at like selfless love. Um, there's another word that comes to mind, unconditional. You know, there's something called agape love, right? Mm-hmm. Unconditional love. And she's such an amazing reflection of that. She thinks of not herself most of the time, but of others. You know, and I and I I love that about her as a child, you know. You don't really see those things. You don't really capture that in, in your childhood days. But I think as I get older and mature, I see her and I'm like, wow, your heart is so beautiful. Her heart is just wow. so beautiful. She celebrated her, her 61st birthday um, not too long ago. And happy I have birthday, Mumsy. Yes, happy birthday to my mom. Um, she <laughs> and I had to tell her it was a perfect place in, in the in the perfect demonstration of what happens when your heart is like that. So she inspires me a lot um, when it comes to the way she gives and the way she loves. You have have a beautiful role model in your mother. Yes, she is. (laughs) And you yourself are clearly a role model. So between the work that you do every day, between the the, being a woman of faith, um, having galvanized movements for young girls, such as One Million Girls and the PADS Project, what what motivates you specifically? And what I mean by that is, what do you want to instill in young girls and young women? What would you like them to learn from you and to teach them? Yeah, um, I love that question, actually. Thank when you. I encounter a young woman, um, and I had to think about this too, I had to reflect on this because for years, I've been empowering and motivating young women to, to act, to be mm-hmm. themselves, you know, to to push it to the limit, you know, push the boundaries. You are beautiful. You are awesome. You're strong. You're amazing. But I think for me, as and those those things still stand. Yes, yes. that that is the messaging. But now um, I'm adding more to that messaging as I mature. Um, I've been told that I'm a woman of vision and mm-hmm. I can see why people say that because when I encounter someone, especially women and girls, I always want them to believe. Mm-hmm. Like that is my thing. Believe and see. 
So in order to believe something or to have faith in something, right, you need to be able to see beyond the physical. Mm-hmm. That's not always easy, especially when you're working with girls in marginalized communities, oh, yeah. societies that tell them that, you know, you're you're not valued. Like, yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? You're not enough. Um, you can't do this or you can't do that. I think for me, my my goal and my calling, a part of my calling is to ensure that every girl understands and knows that you can be a person of vision regardless of your circumstances. Um, and I think it starts with that. Like anything that you really want to do really starts with vision. Um, I have conversations with my friends all the time and we make jokes. Like I, I'm a, I'm a person of vision, but also I sometimes I need help with the little details. <laughs> and then I have friends who are really good with the details but they need help with that vision. Yeah. We kind of balance each other out. We can't live without the other, but right. it really starts with vision. Can you even see it? So Dr. Shirley, I can tell you over and over again, one day you're going to be a doctor. One day you're going to be this. One day you're going to be that. But if you cannot create that vision, it's just going to be a bunch of words. So I think for me, I, I'm, I'm at a place where I'm empowering young women to have vision and to see the bigger picture of, of what their purpose is. But it sounds as if you're doing it these days and more recently from a more holistic perspective, not just see it, see it, see it, see it, but also believe it, observe it, feel it. Yes. Get all up in it. Yes. Because <laughs> then the next step is, all right, you have the vision. I'll write it down and make it plain. Another scripture, right? Write yep. the vision and make it plain. So now it's like, boom, you have the vision. Now write it down, like believe it. And then now speak it. Now speak it. I don't mean to go on a tangent, but I just told uh, a couple of other friends the other day, I had a little testimony. I went to bed, woke up in the morning, and I just felt so attacked in the mind. Like I, I just felt, and when I say I felt attacked, I, I got up feeling very unvalidated, um, unloved. I just, there were just so many thoughts that were going through my mind that were so dangerous. And yes. so I say dangerous, I mean, it was it was insecure thoughts. It was mm-hmm. thoughts that were belittling, right? Um, and and it was it was not healthy. And it was what I'm learning is you know you we go through things as humans. Um, mm-hmm. I forget the woman who said this, but you know you don't make those things a mindset. It can be a moment, but don't make it a mindset. Yes, so I know that in that moment that is not something I'm making a mindset. But I, I'm telling this story to say it took me. It took about maybe 20 minutes for me to start speaking exactly what it is that I know to be true. So everything happening in my mind right now, all of the belittling, the insecurities, I don't, the anxiety, I don't know where it's coming from, maybe from work or whatever, but it ends right now. And then I start to speak it. And I start to tell myself like, I am a child of God. I am confident. I am a woman of vision. I am not anxious. I am not insecure. I know who I am. You know, I think that self-talk definitely helps. And so that translates over to the women and girls. I empower. If you see something and you want it, you have to make sure that you see it, you believe it and you say it, then you do it. So, yeah. I love that you just said that you can have the self-talk where yeah. you can where you say to yourself, this ends now. This negativity, this drama, this anxiety, it ends now. I I am actually in control of my mind. My mind does not control me. 
So I love that you can say to yourself the same way that you're hearing, you know, the voices and the monkey mind going crazy. You too can say to yourself, this ends now, right now. And this brings us to the ending of part one of the Forever Fab podcast with my fabulous host, (laughs) Hannah Tunis. Stay tuned for part two. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty, curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD. Live beautifully and help make the world a more beautiful place.